You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call, as today your Indiana Hoosiers fall at home to the visiting Purdue Boilermakers 74-67 to in a game that was really tight all the way throughout. Purdue able to make some free throws there at the end to extend the lead. Uh, but this is a game you know, that Indiana entered... You know, and it kind of felt like you're looking at the matchups, you're looking at how good Purdue has been, you're looking at the struggles of Indiana, and it really became difficult to try and figure out how Indiana was going to compete and potentially win this game. And yet Indiana was able to do that and was able to make this a game. I thought the Hoosiers played extremely hard. I thought Indiana had a very good game plan, especially in the first half for how they wanted to attack Purdue. But ultimately, you know, Purdue won out. They're just a better, more experienced team overall. And you have to tip their caps to them for coming into Simon Scott Assembly Hall uh, and getting that win. But I think you also have to tip your cap to the Hoosiers uh, for really putting up a valiant effort against a team ranked in the top five, one of the better teams in the country. The Hoosiers just didn't quite have enough uh, to get the win, uh, but certainly played uh, played pretty well today. And we will break all of that down on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I am here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips to break down this game. And let's start uh, this afternoon's show as we start every show. And that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And as so many of these banner moments have been uh, this season, it focuses on some terrific play from Jawan Morgan. Uh, you know, Indiana really came out in the second half, I-, I thought, and didn't match Purdue's intensity early on through the first few minutes. And Purdue was able to I think, go on a little 9-2 run there early. And they ended up getting a 46-41 to 41 lead. They built a couple of five-point leads. And it was impressive how Indiana continued to respond, continued to answer, and, and find a way to score buckets. And typically, it was Robert Johnson and Juwan Morgan who did the answering. And I thought when Purdue went up 46-41, to 41, Juwan had a particular run that really showed off the savvy and the toughness that he has played with this year that has made him one of the best players in the Big Ten. Uh, on the first possession, he used some really nice hesitation and quickness and just kind of some guile to kind of do a little scoop shot around Matt Harms. He scored, drew the foul, uh, made the free throw. It was then 46-46 as Indiana was able to tie it up, uh, and we grabbed a couple of offensive rebounds. Robert Johnson got it, dished it inside to Juwan Morgan, who had a nice pump fake on Isaac Haas, got fouled, and scored to put us up 58 to 46. Purdue would tie it up. And then on the next possession, Juwan Morgan had, you know, one of the better offensive rebounding sequences you're going to see is he grabbed two offensive rebounds seemingly out of nowhere. I mean, over a seven foot two guy uh, got fouled, made both of his free throws. Indiana led 50 to 48 at that point at the under 12 minute timeout. They would come out and Al Durham would make that really nice drive. The Hoosiers would go up five in the second half. And I think if you had told Indy Indiana fan that in the second half, you're going to have a five point lead about midway through. Will you take it? Everybody would have taken that and you'll take your chances down the stretch. Again, as I mentioned, you know, Purdue too much for Indiana from that point on. But I thought that response by Indiana and in particular, just 
the array of offensive moves that Juwan Morgan showed, both as a guy off the dribble, as a guy down in the post, and as a rebounder, it shows you the full evolution of his game and why he's been such a dynamite player for Indiana this year. Our Banner Moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based t-shirt and apparel company that is by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. Why should you check out their website, HoosierProud.com? There are several reasons. The first and most important reasons is the design. That's why you go to any apparel company website. And Hoosier Proud really has a little bit of everything for you if you are proud to be from the Hoosier State. They've obviously got their officially licensed Indiana gear, football-themed shirts, basketball-themed shirts, soccer-themed shirts, a wide selection. They've got our official assembly call T-shirts. And they've just got a bunch of really unique designs inspired by different elements of the Hoosier State for you to browse and check out. There's something for everybody there. The second reason to go is their philanthropy. Hoosier Proud is committed to supporting Indiana-based charities. You can find out what charities they support at their website, HoosierProud.com. And then the number three reason to go is that you will save money. Our friends at Hoosier Proud are extremely generous with our audience here at the Assembly Call. And so when you go there, load up your shopping cart and use the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, you will get 15% off of your entire order. Not just one shirt, not just the Assembly Call shirts, but 15% off everything that you order. Check them out at HoosierProud.com. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we will start with Andy Bottoms and his Bottoms line brought to us by iustore.shop. Yeah, I mean, I would echo a lot of what you said. I think Purdue just, you know, top five team. They showed why they're a top five team down the stretch. And and I thought that was really where IU let things get away from them. And ultimately, you know, you can look back and see a lot of the same things that have plagued IU over the course of, uh, you know, over the course of the season. The turnover numbers weren't terrible, but Purdue did get 18 points off of just 10 IU turnovers. That's a big number. Missed seven free throws, you know, shot 59%, shot under 60% again, made three out of 16 threes. And if you look at some of those numbers at the beginning of the game, you probably question whether it would really be as close as it was. And I think, yeah, as you said, a lot of that goes to to Robert Johnson and Juwan Morgan. I think in the first half, there were a number of guys who were able to make, while those guys did the bulk of the scoring, there were a lot of other guys who were able to to kind of step up and make pretty consistent contributions. And in the second half, I just didn't feel like that was the case. I mean, those guys had 21 of the 30 points. They had 10 of the 15 rebounds. Um, you know, those guys were really just, just kind of doing it all, played a ton of minutes. And, um, you know, just to really be able to find guys who were able to sustain what they were doing in the first half and the second half was tough. You know, Justin Smith had six rebounds in the first half, none in the second. Um, you know, pretty really went at him uh, with Vince Edwards. I thought McSwain gave some good minutes. I thought Durham made, obviously, a huge shot. But, um, you know, they, they just needed more from from somebody else to, to step up and uh, make a few plays down the stretch. It just didn't happen. Newkirk really uh, struggled at the end, which I'm sure we'll touch on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, really good. Good performance and, and a lot of fight uh, in it, you know, to play pretty the way that IU did on the on the glass, uh, giving up the size that they did. I think out rebounded them thirty one to thirty based on the numbers that I'm looking at. Really kind of played into a stalemate there is, uh, you know, a testament to to how they played in that regard. But uh, you know, pretty just moved the ball better, um, had more you know more threats on the floor. You had to defend pretty much everybody at that point. And I think it got to a point with IU where that just wasn't the case. And um, so big games for for Robert and Juwan, and they really kept them hanging around. And uh, unfortunately, just couldn't get enough out of uh, other guys late. Yep. All right. Now we will get Ryan's rant brought to us by the big lead.com. Mr. Phillips. Yeah, I think, you know, this is the Robert Johnson we've wanted to see all year. It wasn't just hitting a couple threes. He was two of six, but it was shot making and it was aggressiveness were the two things that were the hallmarks of, of Robert's game today. Um, he made some turn. He had a couple turnovers late that were you know very costly, but for the most part, you live with that 
based on the rest of the game you got from him. Uh, Andy touched on this too, but the free throws continue to be an issue for IU. 10 of 17 is is just you know 58.8% is unacceptable. And, and as great a game as Juwan Morgan and Robert Johnson had, you know, they combined to miss uh was it five free throws, you know, and you can't have that from veterans. And then down the stretch, you know, in a tight game that you're the upset pick, you, you can't have turnovers from your seniors and Newkirk and Robert Johnson on back-to-back possessions had really bad turnovers. So, um, you know, that happens when you're playing a top team, they played great defense, you know, Purdue really ratcheted up the defense late and Indiana just didn't weather it. Uh, what one guy I will mention who I think that should get a lot of uh, credit for today is Freddie, Freddie McSwain. I thought he played his tail off. Um, I thought he was the energizer for a lot of what the team did today. And, you know, when Juwan Morgan had to go to the bench with four fouls, and, you know, and, and at other points during the game, McSwain did everything he could on Isaac Haas. And just you could tell Haas was just getting frustrated by what Freddie McSwain, his energy, you know, bumping him off uh, the post, all of that stuff. Um, so I, I think he deserves a heck of a lot of credit because he's a guy we've been hard on at times. And he really played his tail off today and, and really represented what the, this rivalry is all about. And that's just leaving it all on the floor, trying to get the crowd energized and and playing, you know, necessarily you know, in a situation where it's necessary, elevating your game to the competition. And I thought Indiana as a whole did that today. Uh, Purdue, look, Purdue's a very good team. I know a lot of people are talking about them as the best team in the country. I don't see that. I think they're a very good team. There are a couple teams I take over and I tweeted that out. Um, but I will say this is that that team plays very well together. And, and it's, it, it, it is definitely a team that is better than the sum of its parts. Uh, that said, I will say after watching this game, I feel great about Indiana heading into next year with what a team like Purdue is losing and what Indiana is bringing in and bringing back. Um, I think the Hoosiers are in a really, really good spot. If they can play like this the rest of the season, I think we're going to be proud of this team because they did what we've seen and they brought the effort and it was a lot more intelligent effort today than we saw against Illinois and in some other games. But the one thing I have noticed about this team over the last couple of weeks is they always bring maximum effort and they're getting even better at that. And uh, so I, I was, I was proud to watch the team today. Uh, you would have liked the better finish, but you know what? Sometimes you just get beaten by a better team and, and that's what happened. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms breaking down Indiana's 74 to 67 loss to Purdue today. You know, Ryan, I'm glad you mentioned that about McSwain. I agree with you. You know, we have been hard on him, but we've also been pretty consistent talking about how there are going to be several games this year that he's going to make big plays that give Indiana a chance to win. Now, you don't always expect that to be. Freddie taking the the opposition off the dribble and hitting reverse layups. <laughs> I don't know where that came from uh, in the second half, but it was a thing of beauty. Uh, and I also thought Zach McRoberts really made some important contributions today because, you know, for Indiana to compete in this game. Shoot it, more, Zach. I mean, look, I agree. And that's the thing in the first half. I mean, how fluid and nice did that little shot off the dribble at the elbow look? You know, you kind of wish you were able to find more opportunities like that. But, you know, I, I, I know... They said on the broadcast, you know, Morgan and, and and Johnson are Indiana's stars, and that certainly is true, and they did carry the day, and you look at the stat sheet, and those are the guys that jump off. You know, but McRoberts only isn't a star because they haven't quite found a way to quantify yet all the things that he brings. You know, he's not a scorer. He's not going to do that, but I thought defensively on Dakota Mathias, you know, even though Mathias was able to make three threes, I thought he really made him work, you know, harassed him into a couple of turnovers. I thought, you know, the sequence, and I was going to talk about this in meaningful moments that you might have missed, but the sequence where McSwain had that great layup and then McRoberts just lays out to tap out that rebound. You know, 
it's it can be easy at times to overlook the contributions that Zach makes. But I don't think it's any coincidence that this Indiana team has played better since he's gotten more minutes because he's such an Archie Miller type of player. And I thought it was so important for him to just make so many hustle plays today that really helped set the tone for this team and for the gritty kind of effort it was going to take to compete and, and compete. Indiana did, uh, you know, again, and, and we can talk about this, you know, you go three straight possessions there late where you don't get the ball to Juwan Morgan. You know, you have a couple of turnovers and, and, and you miss a shot and that really sunk Indiana. Uh, but I think there are also some positives to take from the performance of a guy like Zach McRoberts. Agree with you, Ryan. He needs to shoot a little more. Um, but Andy, I, I thought what he was able to provide today was really, really important for Indiana. Yeah, I mean, on on both those guys, I thought McSwain played so well that I I nearly unblocked the guy on Twitter that I blocked during the Illinois game who was saying that uh, Freddie was like the worst player to ever get a scholarship at IU just so I could taunt him and then re-block him, but I, I decided not to do that. Um, ah, Twitter I, I, pettiness, I love it. I know, I know. <laughs> I know, but I was above it for that moment. I wasn't above thinking about it, but I was above doing it. So I feel good about that. Um, so no, I think <laughs> I thought, I mean, I thought he had a lot of really good, you know, just hustle play. I thought he did as good a job on Haas as anybody really just kind of rooted him out. Um, you know, and for a guy giving up that much size, you know, he was going to, you know, use his fouls and, and do whatever I thought he played well. And then, you know, McRoberts, I'm sitting there watching the game with my, uh, with my daughter who's who's 10 and i said watch him i said because here he this is how you impact the game if you don't score a point and if you don't take shots and if you don't have the ball in your hand all the time um this is a guy to watch and to try to emulate like just the energy and all those kinds of things and he was so active i mean he was uh matthias probably thought he was kind of like looking in a mirror at some points based on the way that he was playing and kind of the things that um, you know, that Matthias does defensively, but he did. A, I, I thought he did a really good job, was really active, um, got his hand on a lot of rebounds early. And I think that was one of the things where, you know, I use not going to out jump a lot of these, you know, Purdue in this game, but I thought he did a really good job as he has over the course of the season, kind of tipping balls to other guys who could get the rebounds, particularly uh, early on. So I thought, yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's hard to to quantify, as you said, what he does. And he's, you know, there aren't going to be a whole lot of games where he reaches double figures. But um, yeah, I think the, uh, you know, he's right up there in the in the pecking order of, you know, kind of most important and most impactful guys on this team, uh, without a doubt. You know, Ryan, I think when you look at the differences between these teams, obviously the size that Purdue has down low is a major difference. I mean, you know, Indiana forced to guard a guy like Isaac Haas and, and Harms when he's in there with, you know, 6'7", Juwan Morgan and 6'6", Freddie McSwain. That's a major difference. But I thought the other difference that was really highlighted today was the difference in guard play. Now, obviously, Robert Johnson was, for the most part, tremendous, and he was the best scorer among any of the guards out there, um, you know, as, as the, the, the most points that any Purdue guard scored was Carson Edwards' 10. But I think what you saw from Purdue is the depth of the guard play that they have and how solid they are and the mistakes that they don't make. And whereas I thought Josh Newkirk had a really nice first half where he had four points and four assists, was really doing a nice job of picking his spots, driving to the basket, made some nice passes. They really ratcheted up the pressure on him in the second half, and he wasn't able to respond. And unfortunately, this was not a game where Al Durham or Devontae Green, you know, save for that one play that Al Durham made, that they were really going to be able to go out there and do anything. You know, Devontae got in his very first defensive possession. Archie Miller goes nuts on him because he's not playing the type of pressure on the ball that he wants in the first half. And Devontae, I don't think he saw the court in the second half. So for whatever reason, you know, Archie was not at all happy with what Devontae was doing out there. And, you know, look, it, it's all it's, it's interesting that Rob Finnessy made another trip to Bloomington to watch this game. I think he's actually seen more IU home games than Don Fisher this year um, to kind of get himself prepared for next year. Because that's just it's such a glaring difference for this Indiana team. When you face a team that has, you know, two, three, four capable guards, a lot of nights we only have one, you know, maybe one and a half. And it's just tough to win games down the stretch like that. 
Yeah, look, uh, Purdue had seven turnovers today. Five of them were from Vince Edwards. Carson Edwards, Matthias, and P.J. Thompson, their starting backcourt combined for two. Um, you know, that's that that's how you win a game. And, and you don't make those mistakes. And we've said all year that the things Indiana needs to do are not make mistakes, mistakes, guard with effort, and and harass three point shooters. I thought they they've gotten so much better at guarding the three point line. I think that was so obvious today. Yeah. I mean, we we've talked about that. That was a huge bugaboo and two of their biggest losses, the Indiana State and Fort Wayne losses. You know, they held Purdue. I think what are they, the second best three point shooting team in the country, to five of eighteen, and almost all of that was a direct result of pressure on the shooters. You know, even even when guys would get good looks, Indiana would be closing out under control to them. You know, to sort of harass them. Um, but, you know, the things that Indiana has to do, don't turn the ball over, guard with effort, rebound. You know, you don't have to beat the other team on the boards because this team's probably not going to do that as often as we'd like them to, although they did today. When, you know, at least stalemate the rebounding battle and don't give up a ton of offensive rebounds and then make your free throws. You know, simple things. Those are things you can completely control and you can individually control. You do those things, you win games. And Purdue does all those things. I mean, Purdue, you know, tied the rebounding battle today. Only seven turnovers, 15 of 18 from the uh, from the free throw line, and they guarded with effort. If Indiana does those things, and it's, it's not surprising when you look at Matt Painter and look at the kind of player he was, and you look at the kind of player Archie Miller was, and you see the way their 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 ideal teams play, well, there you go. I mean, that's, you know, the, the, those, those uh, teams emulate their coaches, and I think that you're looking at what Indiana is going to become is all of those things. And so, um, it's just going to take time to get there. You know, this is this is the pinnacle of what Painter has been building at Purdue is it trying to build at least. I mean, this is the probably his best team, and they're all you know veterans who've been in his system for a while. Archie Miller is at the beginning of that journey, um, so I think that that's why I'm so excited about the future for Indiana because you see what's coming in, you see what the rest of the Big Ten is losing, and, and you realize that if Archie Miller has a chance to put his system in with his guys, plus what's returning for Indiana, uh, man, I, I think that this team's going to be really good if they can bottle up that effort they had today, which we've kind of seen the last couple of weeks uh, and just you know repeatedly go after teams with that effort. I think they're going to be in great shape. Coming up on the Assembly Call, I will point out tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers. That is next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it, and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms breaking down Indiana's seven-point loss to Purdue this afternoon at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And it is time for this afternoon's, not tonight's, meaningful moment that you might have missed. Um, and look, once again, 
you know, I thought Indiana, just as they did against Illinois, got off to a really nice start. And I thought that was so important today to get off to a good start, build some confidence, keep the crowd into it. Indiana gets off to a 10-4 start uh, by the under 16-minute uh, timeout. That was obviously aided by Purdue missing some shots. But Ryan, as you said, Indiana's defense had something to do with it. Indiana wasn't giving up second chance opportunities. And the Hoosiers really came out with a smart offensive game plan and really flustered Purdue, you know, kind of playing five out, you know, doing some of those high inside ball screens. And I thought Indiana's guards came out playing really well and making some good decisions. And so I thought that was extremely important. And then the other moment that I want to highlight happened late in the second half. And Robert Johnson has been a guy, he has clearly been up and down this year. But in Indiana's better performances, he and Jawan Morgan have been the guys that when the other team looks like they're about to go on a run or seize some momentum, they've been the guys who have been able to make plays and stop that momentum. And I thought Robert had a couple of shots in the second half, you know, very high degree of difficulty. They're the type of shots that, you know, he probably hasn't made a lot this year, but the kind of shots that you need to make to kind of play above your heads and beat a team like Purdue. You know, Purdue took a 56 to 53 lead. We really needed a bucket because at that point, the offense had stagnated a little bit. Uh, and so, you know, Robert kind of does a little shot fake. Uh, leans in and makes it. You know, and I wrote in my notes, lucky shot, but we'll take it. It put Indiana down one. A couple possessions later, it's 59 to 57. The shot clock's running down. Rob gets it, takes a couple dribbles, drains a 19-footer. That tied it at 59-59. And I thought at both of those moments with the offense struggling, you kind of felt like the game was starting to teeter a little bit in Purdue's favor, and those shots kind of pulled Indiana back from the brink and just extended the game a little bit longer and kept them going. The big difference, again, is, you know, when you got to the under four minute timeout and Indiana started to have those empty possessions, you know, neither Rob nor Juwan was able to get the ball in a good enough position to make a bucket. But I thought for basically 36 minutes, both of those guys were doing it. And Andy, I thought what Robert really showed tonight, we talked about his aggressiveness. You know, we talked about so many of the things he did tonight was one of the better shot making games of his career, I thought because he really had to do some work off the dribble. There weren't a lot of open catch-and-shoot opportunities for him, which is where he usually makes his hay. This was a game where he was really harassed and had to really work to score. Uh, and to his credit, you know, his team really needed points, and he found a way for most of the night to get them, even if they were on really, really difficult shots. Yeah, I think that one you mentioned at the end, I think Matthias was on him, who's you know widely regarded as you know one of the better, if not the best, defensive player in the Big Ten. And, and one of the things we talked about after that Illinois game or, and or you know, on assembly call radio this week was just about how this team lacks guys who can kind of get their own, uh, get their own shots and, and do things like that. And, and so, you know, for tonight, at least he showed an ability to do that. Um, you know, made some nice, made some nice shots going to the rim. Um, you know, missed the one late where he tried to really scoop it up. But I think that's where, you know, having a guy like Haas in there, you just rush shots a little bit. You end up taking awkward releases on shots that, um, you normally wouldn't. And in the first half, you know, I thought, like kind of what you said with what their their approach was at the beginning. I think in an ideal world, obviously they would score points, but I think they were trying to get Haas in foul trouble. And so IU was able to, you know, score a lot of points, but they really didn't draw any fouls on him by, you know, trying to get him further out on the floor and have to, you know, make decisions on on ball screens. And then you saw Purdue adjust to that in the, you know, as the game went on and they just packed it in a little bit more and a little bit more and trying to make somebody make outside shots. And really um, outside of Rob and, you know, Juwan, I think hit one three, but really outside of those guys, there just wasn't anybody who was able to consistently, um, you know, make those shots. I think that became difficult and that was a good adjustment on, on Purdue's part. And that, you know, certainly anybody who's going to play IU from here on out is going to do uh, largely the same thing of, you know, it, it, this is not a team as well as IU has shot for the most part during the season on two pointers. It's a team that people are going to dare to beat them from the outside. 
and IU didn't get sucked into taking a ton of uh, of long shots, but um, you know, I think they're 0 of 7 in the second half from three, and um, just makes it tough because when we talked about you know keys to the game, what is it? You know, what does an IU victory look like? One of them was really getting hot from the outside. Um, and so in some ways it's surprising that IU was able to stay in the game the way that they were uh, while continuing to shoot the ball as poorly as they have for the majority of the season. And that's where you wonder, I mean, look, another meaningful moment is 30 minutes before the game, Colin Hartman comes out and he's not warming up and you'd expected to have him. I know, you know, on the pregame fish said that they didn't think that he was going to be expected to be out long after suffering a lower leg injury. I know Andy, you know, you said in here in our chat that Archie said he expects him to be out an extended period of time. So, you but, know, yeah, but then he came back and said like, hopefully not more than a couple of weeks. So uh, okay. I don't, so basically I think all we know is that he's definitely going to miss the other two games this week, the Ohio State and Michigan State games. And then I guess maybe we'll, we'll hear more. I know. So it's kind of contradictory sounds, here in that way. That sounds like an ankle sprain to me. If I'm, if I'm guessing, I mean, yeah. if you don't know how long it's going to be in maybe a couple of weeks. That sounds like an ankle sprain, which is not good news. You know, and, and that's where, you know, you wonder, you know, you immediately think hey, Indiana not able to make outside shots, you know, maybe having a guy like Colin there, you know, would have been able to help. But he's also, what, three of his last 19 from three and has really struggled since that really good shooting game against Wisconsin. So uh, I think for the most part, Indiana weathered the loss of Colin Hartman in really impressive fashion because of the play of guys like Zach McRoberts and, and guys like Freddie McSwain. Um but, you know, you just you wonder if, if Colin, you know, his last game against Purdue, if he would have come out there with something really to prove and had, you know, kind of if he would have been able to make some shots, what kind of difference like that Mojo. would make. But sort of like yeah, I mean, you know, like so who cares? I mean, it, it's not, it, you know, it didn't happen. So it's not worth speculating about. But yeah, yeah you know, one thing that, uh, you know, since every player uh, at Indiana and um, future players all watch this show, of course, uh, I want to I want to say to um Demise Anderson, Jerome Hunter, Rob Finnessy, even Jake Forrester, Ray Thompson, Romeo Langford. Practice your three. Romeo Langford. Yeah, right. right. Romeo, of course. Um, you know, I wasn't going to put the car before the horse, but sure. Um, guys, practice your three-point shooting and practice your free throw shooting endlessly. We need it, and you will get on the floor next year if if you can hit those shots. I mean, th this team just needs it. They need a shooter. And it's, you know, it's, it. look, the way they're constructed this year, there are those limitations. They exist. We get it. We're all kind of on board with it, and we're living with it now. But those things have to change, and, and that's something that cannot happen again next year. You know, I realized the, the, this wasn't Archie Miller's team. He didn't have his systems in place until, you know, the summer, all that stuff. He didn't have all the guys on campus for the whole time. All, you know, all that caveats all over the place. But heading into next year, there's no excuse. They got to make their free throws. They got to have somebody who can knock down outside shots just to open up the floor for everybody. You know, that opens up the floor for pounding the glass and for, for getting in the post. And look, this team, I mean, was so outsized by Purdue, yet was going nuts in the paint in the first half and, and for por portions of the second half. That proves that the offensive system works because that's what they want to do is get inside, get inside the paint and score there against a team with so much more size they shouldn't have been able to do that and they were that proves that there is method to the madness and that you know this is going to be something that can work but you also have to be able to balance that when the team when the other team starts helping and packing in and packing in and packing in. you got to be able to knock down outside shots you got to be able to have guys doing a hard closeout foul you and get to the line and make them pay for that you know you got to have when you're in the paint and they just decide instead of giving up an easy two that they're going to foul you and put you on the line, you got to be able to make them pay and make those shots. So those are things that just need to happen. So again, Jerome, Demisey, Robert, Jake, and, and Race Thompson. Romeo. Start, and, and Romeo, of course. Yeah, yeah. 
you really are just getting ahead of yourself. Um, <laughs> just get in the gym and work on those two things. If you can do that, I know the rest of your games are all great. We love it. But if you could do those two things, you'll get on the floor immediately. And I think a guy like Justin Smith needs to be working on it as well, because you're going to need him next year, certainly. Um, and it, you know, with every great game Juwan Morgan has, it's starting to look like, hey, maybe other people are going to start catching on as well. So they're going to need to replace him too. Uh, potentially, Justin Smith's a guy who could fit in and do it. But you know what? Make your free throws, make your three-point shots, and, and you'll get a chance to play. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips breaking down Indiana's seven-point loss to the Purdue Boilermakers today at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Let's go inside the numbers. and. I thought that one of the biggest keys coming into this game for Indiana was going to be to win the turnover battle. Uh, you know, Indiana has obviously been very good at forcing turnovers this year. It's been a huge strength for the team. And we know that when Indiana doesn't play well, they turn the ball over a lot. When they do play well, they, they keep the turnovers, you know, the turnover numbers down. And considering how efficiently Purdue scores in the half court, what you didn't want to have happen was for them to get a lot of easy looks just because of really bad live ball turnovers that go the other way quickly. And obviously the one that comes to mind right off the bat is the steal that Carson Edwards had uh, and his you know magnificent dunk, and he ended up getting fouled. It was a great athletic play uh, by him. And I thought overall, Indiana just wasn't able to do enough in this matchup. The Hoosiers finished with 10 turnovers, which, you know, that's not a ton. I mean, I think that's what, 15.6% of possessions, 15.9% uh, of possessions, which is pretty good. That's actually better than Indiana's season average. But Purdue only turns the ball over seven times. And the big problem is that Purdue turned Indiana's 10 turnovers into 18 points. So they were extremely efficient in taking those turnovers the other way, turning them into points, whereas Indiana was only able to turn Purdue's seven turnovers into 11 points. And you look at it right there in a seven-point loss, there's a seven-point difference. And so, uh, you know, look, some of those turnovers happened late. I think, you know, uh, Josh and Robert got a little bit looser with their ball handling in the second half than they were in the first half. And credit Purdue because they ratcheted up the pressure uh, on the dribblers a little bit. Uh, but that was a big, I thought, opportunity for where Indiana could take advantage against Purdue. And there weren't many, uh, but Indiana wasn't able to do that. And it certainly contributed to the loss. Andy, what else do you have uh, from a stats perspective? Yeah, I think along the same lines, you look at the assist numbers, um, at least from an assist rate standpoint, you know, Purdue had 16 assists on 27 makes, uh, which is not a, a huge number. I think, you know, just over 50%. Um, but IU with just 10 assists for the game on 27 made field goals. And that's one of the, probably one of the lower assist rates that, that IU has had recently. Now, some of that is the way that they were, you know, playing offensively in the first half that in an ideal world, the guys just getting the ball going downhill and, and Purdue isn't able to recover and, and, um, and cover the ball screen well enough. But, um, you know, for those numbers, only three different guys had assists. So I think when, when IU's been at its best offensively, um, that number has been a lot higher with, with very few exceptions. So that was another one that, uh, you know, that, that stood out to me. I thought, you know, as you said, rebounding was not a, not a huge deal. Um, but, and, and the other, the other one, IU shot 63.2% on two pointers there, 24 out of 38. And that's, I don't know what Purdue was coming into the game, but, uh, cause, cause Ken Palm's already updated, but they're still eighth, even after giving up 63%. So that's, amazing. Um, and that's, that's been a trend for Indiana is it's been getting better and better two point shooting percentage. I mean, they've had individual outlier games where it's been terrible, but, um, like Mich I think Michigan state was really bad. Um, uh, but that's just playing Michigan state, but I, I, you know, the two point shooting percentage, I mean, that's clearly something that Archie is emphasizing because he's wants to play in, you know, inside the three point line, play inside the paint. And again, it's getting better and better. And so you really feel encouraged about the offensive system. 
But if you could just spread the floor a little more, I mean, instead of it going three of 16, go six of 16, go seven of 16 from three, you feel so much better about where the offense is. And so again, it goes back to the shooting. The shooting just has to improve. And that's really the only thing that's, you know, other than size, that's that's the thing that's majorly missing. From Look, Archie, the subtext here is Ryan wants you to hire him as the shooting coach. All right. Thank so you. Keep saying Thank it. You. I just I, I just want to pull his... it out. Now he can move on to something else. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Andy. Back to stats. <laughs> no, your fingertips. Follow through all the way. Oh my god. Oh dear. Uh, not not really a whole lot stood out. I mean, the second chance points are pretty low for both teams. Not a ton of bench points from either team. By the way, oh, I, me, think, me... I, I think I think the game actually broke the statistician in terms of points in the paint because the teams were just going inside so much that there's no points for points in the paint yeah. numbers. All I do have yeah. is that on layups, Indiana was 18 for 31. Purdue was 14 uh, for 23. Um, yeah, so and it, some of that actually, for IU. Well, it's actually surprising that Indiana had so many more chances down low, given well, it's you know, also, what you would have expected. And the misses, you know, you have to factor in the size difference. You know, those, a lot of those shots were altered for sure. Some of them went in, were clearly altered and went in. Um, but you expect that going against that kind of size. Uh, again, what I will say, and we were talking about the assist numbers being a little low for Indiana, but a lot of that was because they were driving and, and or they'd throw it down in the post and let Morgan work and two dribbles. After two dribbles, you're not getting an assist. So uh, usually, I mean, that's the standard. Uh, so, you know, you had guys going at the hoop. Um, it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't like we were playing a lot of, you know, hero ball or whatever. They were moving the ball, but then you'd get guys driving instead of shooting. And, and that's going to lead to fewer, sh- uh, assists. I, and, I said and, that. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Well, Hey, you know, I know you, <laughs> I articulated it better than you did bottoms. I'm sorry. Um, no, but what I would, what I would also say is that, uh, you know, against a team like Purdue, if you can work the ball around the perimeter and get open looks, you take them. And I thought that IU passed up on a lot of them. And again, they weren't shooting very well from the perimeter, but they passed up a lot of pretty good looks. Um, you know, that I think they just didn't have confidence in making. So, uh, you know, that, that also will bring that number down a bit. You know, there was one point where Purdue had something like, had something like 14 assists on 16 makes or something. And so in the second half, they clearly didn't, uh, move the ball move the ball as well as they did in the first, but they also got to the free throw line. I mean, and look, they are a, a team with, with great chemistry. You know, they've got a lot of seniors that have played a lot of basketball. They had the overseas trip. I mean, they just, that team, real, and they've been in the same system, obviously, for, for years. So I think it, when you, you go to the final four minutes of that game, where it's pretty even for 36 minutes, that's where you really saw the difference in the chemistry, just in the knowledge of what each other are going to do and the ability to get the kind of look that you want. And obviously that's now what Indiana is working toward. And you're not going to get it in the first year with a lot of new pieces in a new system. Um, But I think when you look at what Purdue has right now, that is clearly a template for what Indiana wants to get to, you know, where you have a lot of guys, uh, you know, who stay three or four years that really build that togetherness. uh, And you can see a play like this. And the other stat that I wanted to mention, Andy, and if you have any more, throw them in here before we break. Uh, But just to harp on it one more time, you know, Purdue goes 15 of 18 from the line, Indiana 10 of 17. So the free throw attempts pretty even Purdue makes five more in a seven point win again. Those little differences make a big difference and getting loose balls and doing all that little stuff is important, but so are making free throws. And it's just, it's something that absolutely has to get better as we move forward in the Archie. I've, I've got another stat if you want to throw it to me, because you, know, you seem to just be all locked in. Well, because you'll just jump in. I don't have to throw You're it. Right. To, you'll true. hop in whenever you want to. Here's a couple of things. Bench points, 11 to six in Indiana's favor. I did not expect that. Uh, offensive rebounds, eight to seven in Indiana's favor. Did not expect that. 
Um, overall total rebounds were, as we said, even 31-30. Indiana won the rebound battle. Um, but the other thing is 50% from the field for Indiana, 48 for Purdue. Again, something I did not expect at all. By the way, Ryan, we have people in our chat saying that they wish we had more players who would take over like you. So there's hey, some, you know really, really, some really poor analogies being made here by the audience. Fan favorite, baby. <laughs> fan favorite. Every time we vote, fan favorite. Right here. Andy, do you have anything else stats-wise? No, I can't. No, no, I don't. All right, right, coming up on the assembly call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's 74 to 67 loss to Purdue. Uh, That is next. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also view our live broadcast right on our homepage at assemblycall.com. I'm your host, Jared Morris, here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, breaking down Indiana's seven-point loss to Purdue today. So let's kind of talk big picture here, uh, Andy. Uh, obviously, uh, the Hoosiers now 5-5 five and five in the conference You've got a couple of of big games coming up here against Ohio State, against Michigan State. The hope is obviously that you can, you know, pull out one of these, you know, get yourself to to 500 going down the stretch. The degree of difficulty increases with no Colin Hartman. Um, You know, how do you, you know, you come out of this game. I think we all feel like Indiana played better than you would have expected. How do you feel now about these next two games coming up? Obviously, the Ohio State game, they were the the quote-unquote worst of the three teams, but they've been very good, so that's kind of a, a weird thing to say. But that game was on the road, so it seemed difficult. And then you got Michigan State coming back at home. Um, how do you feel about Indiana's chances now after seeing today's game? Uh, you know, it's one of those where I think if you take yourself back to the Duke game, which I guess is what this in some ways feels is the most like, was it was like you know we, I feel like we'd say the same thing. Well, if they bring this kind of effort and do you know this and that, then then you know maybe they have a chance to win some of these games. So I, I don't know that I necessarily feel I, I don't necessarily feel worse or better. I, I wouldn't say because um, I think you you could I, I don't think any of us expected them to win, um, but but you could certainly see a scenario where they came out, the crowd was really into it, they they played really hard uh, on the heels of you know that Illinois game today, and I th- thought they did exactly that. Now. You know whether you can sustain that as you you know have another you know turnaround to go and, and play at Ohio State. I don't really know. I think from a matchup standpoint, Ohio State certainly doesn't have the same kind of size that that is going to you know play guy you against a team like Purdue and a team like Michigan State. So, um, but you've also got you know a difficult matchup with with Kata Bates Diop and and him playing so well. And um, but at least from a size standpoint, a little bit more similar to what uh, to what IU has seen and. Um, you know, but a road game where IU hasn't really played very well on the road, short of that Minnesota game. So hey, they get to play on the road with only one day of rest. That's great, right? Yeah, awesome. Well, yeah, let's do more. Let's do more of that. That's exciting. Um, yeah. Ohio State hasn't played since Thursday, so they got you know five days off and get to play at home. But other than that, it's no big deal. Um, so you know, this will all pay dividends when the Big Ten tournament is in New York, and everybody's really excited about it. Um, so I, I I don't know I, I still think a split is is possible um, when, when you look at those you know Michigan State really got behind by a lot today at Maryland and and they you know really blitzed Maryland coming out of the locker room in the second half um, but I think you could see it's a scenario there where you know maybe maybe they're able to you know kind of catch them at home if they play as well as they did crowds into it which you know they will be for a game like that um, I think there's a chance of it but I certainly wouldn't be shocked if they went zero and two I guess 
all that to say, I don't know that I feel better or worse after after today. I think they could, uh, you know, I'm probably not going to win both, but uh, any other, you know, beating either team or going 0-2 is, you know, still within the realm of possibility, I would say. Ryan, what are you feeling after this game? Um, despair besides, that I yeah, besides, despair that I have to hear from Purdue fans for a year. Um, I'd rather just ignore them and pretend they don't exist. Uh, but no, I, I look. I mean, parts of you has to be encouraged, but you also realize going on the road at Ohio State with only one day of rest is uh, like after the Duke game when they went to Michigan. There's a real chance for a, a, a huge letdown, and um, you know that certainly exists. Again, it's a tough thing to to face because of this compressed schedule, which is moronic. And I think we all agree it's moronic, uh, but you're giving a team again, like against Illinois, you saw late in that game, you know, while they didn't deserve to win necessarily, uh, their legs were tired. It was clear. They had one day of rest to go on the road. And and that's not easy for a college kid to do. This isn't the NBA. Um, so I, I, you know, it, it's a bummer uh, that they have to face that instead of getting a couple days off after an emotional game like this. Um, but you got to do it. And some other teams are facing the same thing in, in the conference this year. Um, but, you know, I look, I don't think the prospects for that Ohio State game look great. I think they do match up pretty well against Ohio State as far as if you're just lining guys up across from each other. But Ohio State's a very good team coming off a loss. They're not going to be, uh, you know, compliant to what Indiana wants to do. They're going to be angry. So uh, we'll see. And then I, I, you know, the Michigan State game, again, if that team plays up to its capability, they'll beat anybody. So uh, it just all depends on how Michigan State comes out. I do want to take a few minutes, a few more minutes and just recognize Juwan Morgan. This is the third straight game that he has scored at least 24 points. He had 24 today, 28 against Illinois, 25 against Maryland. And when you look at his conference ranks right now you know you look at Ken Palm I mean he is in the top 20 in almost every meaningful stat I mean offensive rating number of possessions used percentage of shots taken uh, effective field goal percentage both offensive and defensive rebounding he's even shooting 36.8 percent from three in conference play uh, you know which looks a lot better than obviously his overall percentage and and Brian you know you kind of alluded to this earlier you know with each passing game we mentioned on assembly call radio earlier this week that he you know finally started showing up on some top 100 lists when it comes to to the NBA and look I think all of our hopes are that he continues to play so well that he gets a chance and can go pro early and fulfill his dreams and get drafted and all of that so we can save all that for the offseason but you know the amount of pressure and the amount of responsibility that he has is so great and and I want to get your thoughts on this because you know he picked up his fourth foul uh you know, he only had one foul in the first half. He picks up his fourth foul. I think there are about five minutes left in the second half. And and Archie took him out. And I think he was out of the game for maybe three or four possessions, maybe only two or three, something yeah. like that. And, you know, I immediately tweeted out, let's get Juwan back in there. Let's, you know, go down swinging with our best guys. And I deleted it because I thought, all right, this is somewhat defensible because he's got four fouls. You've got the under four minute timeout. You know, maybe you're giving him a rest and buying a couple of minutes. But you know, I really feel at that point, you've got four fouls. You got to keep him on the court because, I mean, there's just Indiana's got to go down swinging and it is so limited without Juwan Morgan on the court. So, you know, I kind of understand if you need to give him a rest, whatever. Um, but it just, you know, continues to kind of be one of my gripes that I think we get our own guys into more foul trouble than they're in. Um, although it's, it's certainly more debatable that late in the game when a guy's got four. Yeah. Look, and also he was guarding the guy that 
Purdue was going to on every single possession. So you're just inviting a fifth foul at that point, and you need him for the last two minutes, you know, if you're going to have any chance. So I, I think that that was the right move. You put in Freddie McSwain, Justin Smith, you know, let them mix it up and and maybe uh, yeah. you know, lose. So I, I look, I, I agree with you that it, it's a bummer, especially offensively. But you know what? Other guys are going to have to score if you're going to win that game anyway. So I, I totally defend Archie taking them out. Yeah, yeah I, it was, I, I suppose in that case, I'll go with you. Yeah, it was it was it was interesting because on, on the one hand, you kind of look at what happened in the immediate aftermath of that. You know, he he brought Justin Smith in for him and he threw the ball away, I think, trying to get it to Robert Johnson, you know, cut into the basket. Yeah. Um, but then McSwain ends up making a bucket the next possession. And so really at about the you know, about a minute into the time that he rested, you really hadn't gained or lost any ground. I think the challenge became that next possession where you got a turnover from um, from Edwards after a nice steal from McRoberts, and then they just kind of meandered around dribbling, and, and Newkirk gets a shot block. They put him back in at that point when those you know three seconds on the shot clock, you know baseline out of bounds underneath, but just didn't. And I think they were trying to get it to him to like slip him toward the basket, but just just wasn't anything there. So I think that that possession probably hurt more than the ones before it. Of could you yeah, you had a little bit of momentum getting that steal back. Could you put him in and actually be able to run something for him because of the point when he got in on that possession, you couldn't really um you couldn't really do it and you know Johnson just has to, you know, take whatever shot he can get uh you know coming out of the corner there. But they did kind of at least tread water um until he was able to to come back in, but it was uh you know kind of too little too late at that point. So I could see both sides of it, you know, the guy you put in for him immediately turns the ball over on the flip side they they played it pretty even until then it just would have been nice to have a dead ball or or take a timeout or something to get him back in for the the entirety of that other possession you know down one with the ball you're listening to the assembly call iu post game show i'm jared morris here with my co-hosts andy bottoms and ryan phillips breaking down indiana's loss to purdue let's talk a little bit about Devonte green and not a guy who played a lot today but that in and of itself is somewhat interesting i thought because Archie had a lot of nice things to say about him after the Illinois game, and he was obviously a lightning rod for criticism after that because of the turnovers late, although I contended that he actually did you know, kind of more good things and fewer bad things than he normally does in that game, which is the kind of growth that you're looking for in a player like that, and I thought he would be a key today, you know, a guy who might you know, really relish the opportunity to get out there against a guy like Carson Edwards and show what he can do, but he was really shaky offensively in the first half, you know, not the aggressive guy that we're used to, a little loose with the handle. I mentioned earlier, his defense was not what Archie Miller wanted, and he didn't play at all in the second half. And, you know, that's, I suppose, maybe it was just so bad in the first half, Archie didn't want to play him, but it just seems curious that after a strong performance against Illinois that he couldn't find his way back onto the court. And so I guess my main point in saying this is that the the up-and-down roller coaster saga of Devontae Green continues, and in a game where we needed guard play and needed a guard to step up, and a guy who can create a shot like Devontae really could have helped in certain situations, he was nowhere to be found, and that, you know, those ups and downs just continue to be disappointing. Yeah, I thought there was another play when he was in the first half. I think uh, Eastern on Purdue ended up getting a, you know, getting a rebound put back that was Devontae's guy that he didn't obviously giving up a lot of size to him, but really didn't get a body on him and, and gave up a bucket that way. But yeah, I was a little surprised he, he didn't come in the second half, just if for no other reason than Newkirk was so ineffective. Um, you know, he played 19 minutes in the second half, 0 for 4 from the floor, one rebound, one assist, two turnovers. I mean, that's a lot of time to be on the floor to not really provide a great deal. Um, and so I thought he made some really nice passes in the first half and some of those, um, you know, those ball screen situations, but the one Purdue, uh, you know, changed the way they defended that. He really struggled with it. And, and I, you know, I was surprised he didn't roll with him at least a little bit in the second half or, you know, cause Durham really got the other, 
you know, four backcourt minutes. I know he subbed in for McRoberts, you know, Robert and, and Newkirk. Um, you know, he played really, uh, you know, the, the four guys that, you know, the combination of those guys didn't play. And, you know, he made that one, you know, crazy, crazy shot drive to the basket. So a little bit surprised that you didn't see a little more of somebody didn't necessarily have to be Devante. Cause I think to your point, he was pretty unenthused with how he played in the first half, but with the way Newkirk was playing, I was surprised just not to see somebody else get a chance. All right, Ryan, I'm going to kick it to you now and leave an opening for you to speak since you say that I don't do that. So I'm passing you the ball. What else is on your mind? Uh, you know, uh, a lot of Purdue fans jumping into my mentions on Twitter, which is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> always great. I'm so excited to hear from them once a year uh, when they do something good. Um, no, I look, Indiana's at a spot right now where it's got to finish the season strong. I mean, you know, you're at 500 in the Big Ten when you were just two games over 500 and and we're hoping to, you know, get in an even better spot. And, and so uh, it had two winnable games that it lost and, and really things have to turn around. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's going to take some time, but uh, you feel like this program's headed in the right direction and watching a game like today, you feel better about it. But at the same time, really hurts to lose to to your rival um and i hope that this fuels the young guys and, and helps push them to another level because uh yeah it, it's it stinks to lose to to purdue any day of the week well i mean it, it hurts because it, it felt like a win was there for the taking although as i mentioned you know you saw the differences between where these two programs two are at over the over the over the final four minutes you know you really you know saw the differences and i don't know how indiana was going to be able to overcome that you know save for just making a lot of shots that they weren't able to make there at the end so again hats off to purdue you know the last thing that i want to say and, and i mentioned the sequence earlier but when it was 65 to 62 late and freddie mcswain had that incredible drive to the basket you know i think that's that's got to be the most effective play he's ever had where he's dribbled the ball more than once i think he had to take a couple dribbles has that reverse layup and then mcroberts just had the incredible hustle on the other end and it just goes to show, you know, this is what I've been saying for two years. You have to play Freddie McSwain and Zach McRoberts together. Those guys should always be on the floor together. I've been saying it for years. <laughs> Jared, this is probably a good time for us to take a victory lap after that Stan Robinson game winner yesterday, too. Yeah, it is. Since, since this is the route, we've decided to take the show <laughs> at this point. Uh, yeah. I'm just going to slowly back away and let you guys finish the show. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, coming up in our final segment of this edition of the Assembly Call, we hand out our game ball as we look ahead to Indiana's next opponent in a little bit more depth, and then we deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's seven-point loss to Purdue in last call. That is next on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are talking about Indiana's better-than-expected, I guess you could say, seven-point loss to Purdue this afternoon at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Gentlemen, it is time for our game balls. Let's hand them out. Ryan, the honors are to you first. Uh, I'm giving it to my man, Freddie McSwain. I love the energy he brought today. Um, I, You know, I've, I've tended to go with the out-of-the-box suggestion for game balls, but I'm giving it to Freddie McSwain. I thought his energy was fantastic. He played 16 minutes, but he had eight points. That, as you said, that layup was a thing of beauty. Um, What's a thing but, of beauty? But no, I just thought that when he was in the game, he was the guy getting the crowd into it. He was all over Haas, all he could be, uh, and only you know gave up two fouls. Um, I just I just loved, the, loved his energy, and I think that I'm... I'm, I'm leaning that way because of how hard I've been on him. And I think that he deserves recognition when he does something great. 
I agree with you. Uh, you know, he he had a little rough patch there. Um, at one point, I wasn't seeing as many minutes, and he has really, I thought, picked up his play as of late, especially when Indiana's needed him in a big role in the post with Deron Davis out. So kudos to Freddie for staying the course, staying with it, uh, continuing to play hard and continuing to play tough because his team has needed it. Andy, over to you for game balls. I imagine you are currently trying to choose between Juwan and Robert Johnson right now. Yes, I would. I would say so. Just to kind of add on Freddie, some of the you know offensive rating stuff that I I looked at the other day. I mean, he was a guy who's been as consistent as anybody, being above that 100 mark. Um, you know, a couple of games where he didn't play enough minutes to you know kind of register what was there. But in the games that he has, uh, particularly since Duran's gone out, he's he's been pretty effective and really all with the uh, Illinois games, the only one that that he was under under 100. So, uh, yeah, kudos to him for for playing well. Um, you know, I'll take. I, I'm sure you'll take Juwan Morgan, and I, there's not really a wrong answer between these two. But I, I obviously. Obviously, we'll, uh, I'll stay on brand here and go with uh, Robert Johnson. Um, I, I just thought, you know, he came out really aggressive early on, uh, tried to get, you know, tried to make some baskets and, and really set the tone, I think, in a way that we haven't seen as much as everybody would have liked from, from him this year. Um, just seeing that aggressiveness right from the tip. And and obviously, with, with him, um, you know, seeing a few shots go in early did a lot for his confidence. And I think that's been, uh, you know, there's obviously talked a lot about that over the course of the season, but um, thought he played really well, made some big shots in the second half, as you mentioned, when they really needed buckets um, and, and played really well on, on both ends. He, he held, uh, you know, he did was on defense on Carson Edwards um, quite a bit. And I think he ended up three out of 10 um, from the field. So again, continues to play well uh, on both ends of the floor, had a lot of rebounds in the second half, uh, certainly more so than the first. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, the kind of game that you want to see out of, uh, you know, the senior guard. And um, so while the turnover, you know, the turnover late was uh, was disappointing and the miss, uh, you know, the missed drive uh, was disappointing. They're not even in a position where those plays matter if it's not for him and, and Juwan, who I assume you'll talk about next. Oh, pretty clear. This was one of Robert Johnson's better games of the season. I thought he was great. I, you know, I like to make Robert Johnson, Greg Graham comparisons. So I do just want to make this one that in Greg Graham's senior year home game against Purdue, he was 26 of 28 from the free throw line. He had 28 attempts and missed two free throws. Robert today shoots six free throws and misses three. So, you know, that probably the only blemish on Robert's game, you know, obviously the turnovers late. Um, but just wanted to harken back to one of the great guard performances by Hoosier against Purdue that Greg Graham delivered as a senior. And look, Robert was on track to, to author one of his own. Um, Indiana just fell short because, frankly, as you both have mentioned, not enough guys besides Juwan and besides Freddie were really able to step up and take some of the offensive load. And as good as Indiana has been defensively and was today, at some point you got to score too, especially against a team like Purdue that you can bring your best defensive game and they're still going to be pretty efficient scoring-wise. And Indiana just didn't have enough firepower uh, offensively. But my game ball goes to Juwan Morgan. He is, you know, the straw that stirs the drink for this team. I thought that in Indiana's worst offensive sequence of the game there, it, you know, late uh, three straight possessions where he doesn't get a meaningful touch and they result in a missed shot, a couple of turnovers, you know, and one, obviously Newkirk was trying to get him the ball, but wasn't able to. And it looked like if he had gotten him the ball, he would have been in a pretty good position. But yeah, that was a really nice defensive play to give him. It was. I mean, it's a bad pass but it was a really nice defensive play. It was. And, and, you know, it would have been nice to get him a bucket because, you know, as much as Robert has been a shot maker in big moments, uh, I mean, Juwan is just he's been so good when Indiana's needed a bucket and you get him the ball. And if he's got a quickness advantage, he'll use it. If he's got a size advantage, he'll use it. He's, you know, shooting the jumper a little bit better. If he misses the shot, he's there for an offensive rebound a lot of times. So 
24 points. Uh, you know, the three offensive rebounds were huge. I thought the two block shots were also big. So just, you know, add another terrific Sterling game uh, to to what is really turning into an outstanding season for Juwan Morgan. Hat tip to him. Because uh, obviously without those three guys, without Juwan, Robert, and Freddie, um, and, and playing as well as they did, Indiana's not even close today. Uh, those guys really carried a huge burden uh, and did a terrific job. So, Andy, uh, let's turn our attention real quick to Ohio State. That game is Tuesday night. Uh, do you have a start time on that one? Uh, let me look it up here real fast. Uh, 7 o'clock, it looks like. Okay. 7 so Eastern. 7 o'clock. So, uh, the, my first thought about this game is you play a real emotional game, and, and you guys talked about this. You play a real emotional game at home. You come up short. I mean, a letdown emotionally just feels inevitable. You know, when you go on the road, you have a short turnaround. You didn't come away with the win, so you have that letdown again. That clearly is going to be the biggest storyline heading into the game. But let's, you know, let's give these Hoosiers some benefit of the doubt. Let's say they come to play and are ready to compete for 40 minutes. What are they going to have to do? What advantages will they have? Uh, what major disadvantages will they have to mitigate to have a shot to win this one? I feel like I'm looking at a mirror of the Purdue game when I look at the uh, stats coming in, the conference-only stats. Apparently, because of uh, the way IU scored today, Purdue is now down to second in defensive efficiency in conference play. Ohio State is first, though, and second in offense. So I think when we talked before the Purdue game, they were first in both. So now, uh, you know, it's a, it's a little bit, I don't know if it's better or, or worse at that point. Um, you know, Ohio State doesn't turn the ball over, um, you know, make a high percentage of their two-point shots and have shot the ball pretty well from, uh, from three-point range. But really... You know the big things to you know to watch for there is uh, you know Kata Bates Diop has been fantastic in in the conversation for sure for the Big Ten Player of the Year uh, has just been been really effective um, hit a ton of big threes to really bring them back um, which ended up setting up a buzzer beating loss for them against Penn State but uh, has been really good so you know again a guy doesn't present the challenges from a size perspective as uh, you know as Isaac Haas does but certainly is going to be important for whoever guards him if it's Juwan Morgan. To really, yeah, who you know, find him? I guess that's the question. I guess it would probably be Juwan, I would think, but you know, obviously, he, he doesn't draw a ton of fouls, which makes you feel somewhat more comfortable if Juwan is guarding him. He's got one of the lower free throw rates on Ohio State's team, so that's at least a positive. Yeah, definitely challenging. They got a big guy, um, Caleb Wesson, uh, you know, who maybe you stick Juwan on, but then, you know, I feel like a little bit you, you turn right back into what happened today. You know, second half, Purdue isolated Vince Edwards a lot against Justin Smith, just really trying to, you know, break him down and. You know, take advantage of his youth to a, to a certain extent, and so I think you could see the same thing if IU goes in that direction. So, I would guess you see a, a little bit of both those guys on him. So he's definitely one um, to try to slow down. Jay Sean Tate, you know, kind of an undersized guy that that's willing to play inside and uh, a guy who's played tough there. Don't have big guards, uh, which I think is a positive. You know, Cam Williams and CJ Jackson, both you know six one six two type guys. So, um, you know, size wise. It'll be, I guess, a nice break uh, after you know playing you know Michigan State and Purdue recently. So that'll be um, that'll be nice, but not a lot of you know clear weaknesses in terms of what uh, what Ohio State does, particularly in conference play. They they rank pretty well. Um, they don't force a ton of turnovers, so that will be important. But really, uh, other than that, you know, when you kind of look down, you know, the the numbers on Ken Palm at least, there's nothing that really jumps out as a you know clear advantage for IU in this case, and. Um, you know, Ohio State does a lot of things well on the defensive end, which is really something that, you know, Chris Holton teams uh, consistently did at Butler. So, uh, you know, for a, a team in IU that struggled to score on offense, uh, probably going to be a challenge again. And I don't think it's, you know, if IU wins, I don't think it's going to be a, a work of art by any means. It'll probably be a little bit of a grinder. Also, Andrew Dockett shooting 62% from downtown this season. Yeah, Ohio State's free throw defense is number one in the uh, in, in conference play as well. So that oh, matches no. really well with, uh, with IU. Oh, no. <laughs> it's the last thing we need. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that because you are an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off your entire order at HoosierProud.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts, or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout. That's HoosierProud.com, promo code ASSEMBLY for 15% off of your entire order. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's loss today to Purdue. Gentlemen, it is time for last call. Ryan, your closing statement first. Yeah, I think you ought to be encouraged, uh, but it's okay to be disappointed after today. Um, anytime you lose your rival, as I said earlier, it's disappointing, but <clears throat> at the same time, uh, really encouraging performance by Indiana. Um you know, went toe to toe with the team that's kind of established itself as the Big Ten's best. Um, and I know it's Purdue and it sucks to say that, but that's a pretty good team. Um, but you look at what Indiana is building towards and you got to feel good about uh, what's there in the future and you got to feel good about in- Archie Miller's plan and what he's, you know, putting together. And, uh, you know, we'll see uh, how they come out against Ohio State, but it'd be encouraging. It'd be what would be really encouraging is if they came out the same way they did tonight and, and played really well and kind of surprised us after, you know, an emotional tough game like that. Um, so I think that there are signs of encouragement here, but at the same time, yeah, it's always a rough losing to Purdue. Yep. Andy, last call. Yeah. I mean, I think as, as you guys have both alluded to what Purdue's really kind of built with the class of guys that, that leave this year. And, um, thank God those guys are leaving. Um, you know, I think if you look at a blueprint for what Archie wants to do, you know, if everything goes well, um, I think we may hopefully look back at the class that's coming in next year as as this kind of this kind of group for IU. Um, and so, you know, it was just clear at that point in the game, the late game execution was better, and the, um, you know, the way those guys have kind of grown together and trust one another and uh, and play so well together was on on display and ended up being the difference in the game. And I think. Um, IU just got to get away where the you know the more guys that they can turn to it just became uh, you know too reliant on on a couple of players and that just becomes really difficult when you, know, you got five guys on one end any of whom uh, are willing to take shots any of whom the other four guys on the floor trust to take shots and and, and IU it felt like at times was you know kind of so reliant on a couple of guys to make plays and while somewhat flattering for those guys that they played that well that even as fans it's like I'm I'm cool if those guys take all the shots you know, got to get to a point where that isn't the case and, and find ways to get more consistent contributions, uh, particularly on the offensive end. And um, so, you know, certainly a challenge. And, and I think as big a challenge as anything is going to be for IU to be able to get up to this, you know, for this next game. This has been a, a real grind these last few weeks. Um, and and the numbers of, of healthy players continue to dwindle with Hartman going down. And it's easy to get up for a Purdue game in that scenario um, when the crowd's going crazy and everybody's excited and, a you know, top five team coming into Assembly Hall now you don't have that. You're going to go on the road um, against a really tough team, and I think uh, it'll be telling to see how IU, you know, kind of where their mindset is at this point. To see how that Ohio State game goes. Not necessarily whether they win or lose, but um, do they really come out and compete the way they did today? And I think if they do, um, they've got a decent chance to pull off pull off an upset. If if they don't, um, then we'll be back trying to figure out how that changes for Michigan State. But uh, I, I think as you're trying to find different things to look for with this team as you watch it grow. I think that's the biggest thing for me is how do they respond to the way they played and, and can they repeat the toughness they showed today uh, against, again, what probably is a, a superior team that they'll be going to face on uh, Tuesday night. 
Yeah, it, it will be really interesting. And obviously, we haven't sounded a real optimistic tone about what Indiana can do in that Tuesday game. But we also didn't sound a real optimistic tone for what Indiana would be able to do in this one. And I think Indiana surpassed what most people's expectations were of this game. And so while the Indiana program certainly needs to be one where there are there really aren't any moral victories, and you're not thinking about that at this stage with this team. Uh, you know, I think it's fair to look at what they did today uh, and acknowledge some of the progress and acknowledge, acknowledge some of the strong performances. You tip your cap to Purdue for being a terrific team and for being the kind of team that can come into your place, beat you by seven, you know, and you can still feel good about it. That's that's how good Purdue is this year. Um, and, and so I think uh, for Indiana, some positives and. You know, we've talked a lot about how, and, and my high school coach used to tell me this too, you know, that there's a there's a difference between playing well and shooting well, you know, and you can play well and just, you know, you just miss shots. Now, at some point in basketball, you've got to start making shots. But I think just how poorly Indiana is shooting the ball this year, you know, right now they're 335th in the country in three-point field goal percentage and 323rd in the country in free throw percentage. That is not good. And that is why Indiana is 12 and 10. That's why Indiana is 88th in Ken Palm. And, you know, it's why Indiana is not going to, uh, you know, make the NCAA tournament this year and all of those things. And it has to improve. And that obviously comes from recruiting better shooters and guys taking personal responsibility to improve their shot and coaches working on it more in practice, giving the guys the instruction they need, all of those things. But I think it is important, you know, given now that we know that that is a major, major weakness of this team that we don't simply equate, you know, Indiana shooting poorly to playing poorly uh, because there has been a lot of growth and the defense is better. Certainly the cohesion on the defensive end is better. Most nights the rebounding is better. The turnovers are better. The decision making is better. Uh, and so I think there are there are a lot of things to point to as positives, a lot of things to feel good about uh, moving forward for the future. But as we continue to see in games like today, you know, where Indiana goes up against an opponent that that overmatches it, there are just some glaring weaknesses on this team, particularly the shooting, that just continuously end up proving too much to overcome. And so, you know, perhaps if maybe there's a little law of averages kicking in and the Hoosiers shoot better down the stretch, uh, they'll be able to to win some of these games that they've been losing. Uh, but I do think it's important, you know, here as Indiana is in the midst of losing three games out of four, uh, that we do remember that there, there's been some growth, there's been some improvement. Uh, but this team right now, they just can't shoot well enough to beat good teams. Uh, and, you know, right now there's not a lot of reason to believe that that will change. But I think we can take some solace in the performances of guys like Jawan Morgan, his development, you know, guys like Robert Johnson really stepping it up and playing better as his senior year goes along. Uh, and then the contributions of guys like Zach McRoberts and Freddie McSwain, who I think in a lot of ways, uh, especially today, you know, were out there contributing more than, you know, than what you would expect them to do. Uh, and I think that's going to be a hallmark of Archie Miller teams moving forward. And those two guys really set the tone for that today. Uh, but otherwise, a disappointing day as Indiana loses to Purdue. Uh, but still, I think some things to grasp onto and have hope for as we move forward. And hopefully a lot of those things are on display Tuesday night up in Columbus against Ohio State. We will see. Uh, but that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember that our live broadcasts immediately following every IU game are always available on our homepage at assemblycall.com and on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can always catch up on demand anytime with our podcast. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter. You will get our six-banner Sunday news roundups as well as our detailed post-game analysis emails that we send the morning after every game. 
Thank you for listening. We will talk to you again Tuesday night after IU Ohio State and then again on Thursday for another edition of Assembly Call Radio. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of the Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show... We appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.